Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. everybody and welcome to episode 27 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today I'm here with Melody Patrick. Melody is from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where she works for a local credit union. Welcome, Melody. Hi, Jen. Well, I'm so glad to talk to you today. Yes, thanks for having me. I always like to start off by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when that was, that kind of thing. It would have been... I would say around 2016, uh, probably, well, actually probably just about three years ago now. And it, it was funny because originally I wasn't looking to do it for any specific purpose. I've never struggled with weight, but I do eat a lot. <laughs> and I always felt like I needed to be eating I'm not underweight. I just 
really wanted to be eating all of the time. And uh, I found that it was becoming just something that I was thinking about too much, particularly when I was working. And I thought, well, I wonder what would happen if I only ate in the evening when I got home from work. And so I just started looking up, is it healthy to eat only once a day? And it was interesting because I found out that it wasn't only healthy, it was actually good for you. It was like this whole idea of this world opened up to me of autophagy and fat adaptive and insulin resistance, things that I had never heard of before. And I have Crohn's disease. And uh, as somebody with Crohn's disease, I began to see that this is really beneficial for gut health. And it made sense because I've had a couple of surgeries and uh, prior to surgeries, because they don't, they, they try to avoid that if possible. I was put on total patient nutrition to give my gut a chance to rest. And I thought, okay, well, this actually makes sense. This is giving my body a chance to rest from constant digestion, which I was making it do all the time because even though I ate healthy, I was eating constantly. I think that's important to, to note. I was the same way. You know, you mentioned that you struggled with wanting to eat all the time. And were you always like me? I was always thinking, is it too soon to eat again? <laughs> Could I have a snack now? Is that kind of the, the thoughts that ran through your head? Yes. And then, you know, I'd try and sneak snacks here and there at work. And then I would get irritated if I would get interrupted. And as somebody who is in the member service industry, that's really not a good thing. I <laughs> I'm sorry. I cannot serve you now. I must have no, my snack. <laughs> let me finish my celery and peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I think a lot of us get that. That really is a lot of the peace that comes with intermittent fasting because our thoughts are not consumed with is it time to eat? What should I eat? What's appropriate to be eating right now? You just know, nope, windows right, closed. Right. So it was very helpful for me not only to help put boundaries around eating, but also just because it 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 was so beneficial to me physically. So did you start right off with just eating once a day? What did you start with? What does it look like for you now? I started off with the first thing that I stumbled across when it came to intermittent fasting was a YouTube channel. And I cannot even remember his name right now. It was geared mostly toward people who needed to lose a lot of weight. Now, I was maybe somewhere between five and 10 pounds heavier than what I had been when I got married, but certainly wasn't anything close to being overweight. But I thought, okay, well, I can stand to lose a little bit of fluff um, in the process. So I'll give this a shot. And he was a big advocate of one meal a day, one plate a day. Well, that, that I very soon realized was not going to be enough food for me. Right, right. I lost weight, but then I was losing too quickly. And uh, I knew this isn't the answer. I can't consume enough in that short a period of time 
to be healthy for my body. Plus, not only that, it's a little bit of a delicate balance. When you have a digestive disorder, you want to give your gut enough time to rest without feeling like you have to shovel in a ton of calories in a short period of time and then upset your stomach. Exactly. So for me now, I've pretty much settled into somewhere around a four or five hour window. I don't eat until I get home from work, which is usually I'll, I'll, ha- I'll break my fast around 530 in the evening and then I'll be done somewhere around eight or 830. And then on days when I have off, I'll break my fast a little earlier. Like today, for instance, I'm not working. So I'll probably break my fast around three o'clock, but then I will keep my window open until somewhere between seven and eight. And then on Sundays, my window is a little bit longer. Right now, our church is actually throughout the Lent season, we are fasting two days a week, two complete fasts twice a week. So I'm even more flexible right now with my eating window because I'm, I'm not looking to lose weight. So when your church fasts, two complete fasts, I mean, everyone is like completely fasting from food the whole day? I'm sure not because the pastor always qualifies if you are unable to do this because you have a health reason or, you know, maybe there's something else that it's better for you to fast from, fasting from social media or, you know, and he throws out, you know, a couple of other ideas that people can fast on if fasting from food is not something that they are able to do. But yes, he does challenge the the church to fast twice a week for two complete days. But it's not like, I mean, it's not mandatory. Nobody's going around making sure. They're not coming around. There's no no fasting police. (laughs) There you go. It's just, yeah, it's a time um, of prayer and and, uh, reflection. I know that that many religions do have fasting as a part of the the season of Lent, but I was raised in the Methodist church. We We didn't do any fasting that I'm aware of. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but I don't think that we did. Well, honestly, my husband and I, in the churches that we grew up in, we did not observe Lent either. I don't think it was frowned upon. It just wasn't really talked much about. So this is kind of new to us. And I actually very shortly, we're, we're part of a, of a mission church here, a new church plant here in the city. And I was actually very excited to find that our pastor was a proponent of fasting because growing up, I always wondered, what is this thing fasting and and why is it tied into our faith and how is that supposed to work? And because I wasn't part of a church that really talked much about fasting, it was just a curiosity that I wondered about, but never really had many answers to. So I was very excited as somebody who was already practicing intermittent fasting and coming to a realization that God has designed us as a holistic being and what is good for our body is also good for our spirit and our soul. And then is also good for the people around us and our community because when we feel good, we are better able to be in good relationship with those around us. And so I began to see this is part of a 
holistic approach. Jesus didn't just see us as we're just a spirit or we're just a person. We're, we are a whole being and we are to be stewards of everything that he's given us. So to find out that, uh, you know, I was now part of a church that was part of fasting and somebody actually explained it as it's a way for you to tell yourself no. And I thought, wow. Oh, that's great. Yes. I thought, oh my word, that is so powerful. Whether it's food for you or social media, like your pastor suggested for someone else. Correct. Yeah. It's a way for you to learn to tell yourself no, because we live in such an instant gratification society. We really do. And it gets us into trouble in a lot of ways. (laughs) I think it's just so important for us to reflect on the fact that all of the major world religions have periods of fasting built in to their religious practice. And so, you know, a a listener who were listening to this podcast who were not religious at all and, and, you know, doesn't understand the spiritual side of it, at least could recognize that, you know, wow, this is something that people all over the world have done as a part of their practice the whole time. And so it's, yeah. it's definitely not something new. No, <laughs> it's no. Just come along. Right, right, exactly. And it, and it is, it's good to learn how to place those boundaries around ourselves. And I think it opens our minds up to different things. You know, a lot of people in the fasting community find that they become more in tune with their their spiritual side yeah. after becoming a faster, you know, and implementing it as a lifestyle. We just, we hear that a lot. So that it's just something that that's pretty common. Yes. And I, and I've heard that from people, both that you interview as well as the podcast that you do with Melanie Avalon you know, people saying, and, and, you know, other ones that I've listened to as well, that there, there really is a whole connection, spirit, mind, body that you kind of get in touch with through fasting. Exactly. Now I want to come back around to your, your daily eating window. Just, um, do you consider yourself one meal a day? Your window sounds very much like mine, you know, a four to five hour window. When I was working outside the home, I would wait till I got home to open my window. But just like you, I would, didn't enjoy trying to cram it all in at one time. One plate of food was not right for my body either. And I didn't like the overly full feeling of, of cramming it in. So for me, I think of it as, you know, I have a little snack, then my main meal, then maybe a little something later to close my window. But I still consider myself that I only eat dinner, even though I'm, you know, not limiting myself to one plate of food or one hour. Is that how you kind of describe it too, is that you're eating one meal a day within that four to five hour window? I wouldn't necessarily describe it as anything. There are times... That's even better. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are times where I come home from work and I'm hungry enough, I will eat two meals in four hours. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll eat when I get home about 5.30 and, and I'll eat a fair amount of food. I'll, I'll eat what would maybe constitute a lunch, you know, during a lunch break. And then, you know, when my husband gets home, if we're having dinner about 6.30 or so, I'll sit down and have dinner with him. So, and then sometimes I'll come home and I'll just have a really good snack. And uh, it depends on a couple of things. It depends sometimes on how late is he going to be getting home? What am I making for supper? Because he's self-employed. So he doesn't, he doesn't come home at the same time every evening. And then also, you know, how, just how hungry I am. 
Yeah, I think that's important too. I love that you said you don't need to call it anything. Um, <laughs> the reason that I brought that up is because my largest Facebook group is the One Meal a Day Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle okay. Facebook group. And so people get bent out of shape sometimes with the idea that you could call it One Meal a Day and yet have a four to five hour window. Right. But just like you, there are some days that I'm hungrier. Yeah. You know, we learn how to listen to those appetite signals. And yeah, sometimes my snack would look more like what someone might call a lunch. Yes. But <laughs> I get yeah. it. But some days I don't even have a snack. I just only have, you know, I think over time I would describe it as a one meal a day lifestyle with flexibility yeah. for days when you're hungrier. Yeah. So um, let's go back and talk about your Crohn's disease. You mentioned that early on yes. that you had some surgeries for your Crohn's disease and that um, also you had some, you called it total patient nutrition. I, I'm not sure what that is. I wanted you to elaborate on that a little bit and how sure. that gave your body a time to rest. And also how has intermittent fasting helped your Crohn's disease? Okay. Well, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was 20. I'm now going on 54. I was diagnosed after I had just severe ongoing diarrhea and could not eat anything. I went from a uh, hundred and roughly 120 pounds to 98 pounds in just in less than a month. It was less than a month. I was literally wasting away. I am not quick to go to a doctor which is why, you know, it, 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 it took me about three weeks, I would say, before I finally decided to seek medical help and was given a battery of tests. And the doctor concluded that it was Crohn's disease, which for people who don't know, is an inflammatory bowel disease. Um, there is no known cause or cure. There are speculations, but it is autoimmune. And so your body is attacking the intestinal tract. It can happen anywhere in the intestinal tract. Mine was mostly focused right around where my large and small bowel connect. And it's uh, ulcers that burrow deep into the lining of the bowel um, and can actually perforate the bowel. So, yikes. Yeah, I have met people who have had nearly their entire intestinal tract removed and live constantly on total patient nutrition, which is either if you're having it short term, they can do it intravenously where they're feeding you by an IV. It almost looks like a milkshake. And if you are having it long term, they put in a port. Um, okay. But the idea is, I mean, you you can't use your digestive tract while you, while you're having it. So initially, I was treated with medication, high doses of prednisone. This would have been back in this was back in the '80s, um, and it, it was yeah managed with a lot of prednisone. But every time they, but they don't want that as a long-term solution because that is so hard on your body. Every time they would back it off, I would get sick again. My parents had previously um, seen a psychologist who was also into um, holistic health. And my dad 
recommended that I go see him. And my husband and I were newlyweds. We got married very young and we were very broke. And <laughs> we, <laughs> oh, well, I, get it. I was, we were I was only 21 20 when I got married, got married, so I get it. <laughs> and my dad graciously um, offered to pay for me to go see this individual. And we went to see him and he put me on a ton of supplements. I, I mean, I was taking 50 some supplements a day, but I was off my medication in two weeks. Oh, wow. So the supplements really did make a difference. It really made a difference. The thing of it was, it, it was, it was not sustainable. I, I did go into remission and I was in remission for a long time. Um, for a number of years after that. Um, but then I got sick again and ended up having, they, I was in the hospital and they put me on total patient nutrition intravenously. They didn't, they didn't put a port in because I wasn't, I had all of my intestinal tract. So they weren't looking at long-term bypassing anything. They put me on total patient nutrition. They were hoping to quiet the flare down and avoid any surgery. But in the end, I, I ended up having to have 12 inches of bowel removed. I was on different kinds of medications over the years. Nothing seemed to work for more than a couple years at a time. And in the meantime, the, the doctor that I had seen initially, shortly after my diagnosis, passed away. He had been an older gentleman. He passed away. I really didn't know anybody else like him. And so I, I kind of began my own quest for health. Ended up having a second surgery in 2000, let me think for a moment. It was 2013. It was only, it was only maybe a month before our youngest daughter got married and they were getting married in Ohio and I'm in Pennsylvania having a second bowel resection. Yikes. Uh, yeah, another 12 inches removed. But they, <laughs> thank God they were able to do this laparoscopically. Oh, that's Which good. they were not able to do the first time. There just wasn't the technology. And I'm looking at these tiny little holes in my belly and thinking they took 12 inches of bowel out of that. <laughs> <laughs> So I was able to go to the wedding. Oh, that's good. Because uh, I thought there is nothing that's going to keep me from my daughter's wedding. But I thought, oh my goodness, if they get in there and find that they're not able to do it laparoscopically for whatever reason, you know, I, 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 I'm just, I'm going to have to go. There is nothing that's going to keep me from going. Right. But actually, amazingly, I healed very quickly after that. I was even able to dance at the wedding. Oh, that's good. So yes. But, you know, again, I mean, I had been on so many different medications and nothing seemed to work for a long period of time. And, and the doctors were always, you know, wanting to try something new. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. And uh, it was around this time that somebody had sent me a book written by a man named Jordan Rubin. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with his books. You are? Yeah. Okay. The Maker's Diet. Yes, I have that um, on my shelf. <laughs> yes. And and he he also had suffered from Crohn's disease and was diagnosed at around the same time that I had been as a young man and had been far sicker than I was. And, uh, you know, is now, 
you know, very, very healthy. And, uh, you know, he's a little younger than I am, I, I think. But still, I mean, he's he's had it for a couple of decades and lives without medication and just monitoring what he what he eats. We began to do the maker's diet. And if I recall correctly, tell me if I'm right. He focuses on whole foods, really high quality foods, that sort of thing. Is that right? Yes, I would I would describe it as probably a whole foods kosher diet. Okay. So I followed that for um, a number of years, although it was difficult. I followed it pretty closely. I would say that I ate better than 90% of people around me. Um, although I didn't, I didn't adhere to everything as strictly as he did in the book. I was feeling good and my gastroenterologist was very impressed. I had a couple of clean colonoscopies and and she said to me after the second one, she said, I only get to say to people about once a year who have Crohn's disease that there's nothing on your colonoscopy that concerns me. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, because of how I wanted to eat all of the time and it was difficult, I love I love food, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's a highlight of the whole episode because yes, I love food, people- Jen. That is me too. <laughs> sometimes people look at somebody. I've always been slim, and sometimes people look at someone like me and they think you must just not eat anything. No, that is not right. true. <laughs> Um, you know, but, you know, like I said, I, I had concerns about how I just wanted to eat all of the time. And right. that was something that seemed to have gotten worse as I was getting older. And I thought this isn't, this isn't good either. I know this can't be good for me. And I was starting to experience some bowel distress. I did not want to go back on medication. I have not been on medication since my last surgery in 2013. That's exciting. It is very exciting and very unusual for somebody with the kind of condition that I have. And I didn't, I didn't want to go back on medication. And so even though I wasn't looking at intermittent fasting initially as something that might be beneficial in a health way, I was looking for something that might help me just control my eating a little bit. And then, of course, found out that it, it isn't just good for that. It's also very, very good for the gut. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories 
promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's buyoptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. How's your gut? changed since the intermittent fasting? What changes would you attribute to intermittent fasting? I know that the the maker's diet really was that first piece of the puzzle, but how did intermittent fasting really enhance that for you? It has given me a little more freedom in terms of what I eat. I don't feel like I have to be as strict. I still eat very healthy. I don't keep a lot of junk around the house. Because gin, if it's here, I'm going to eat it. Oh, yeah. I get it. I am not one of those people who, just because they avoid a certain period of food for a time, because um, the maker's diet starts you out with, um, you're, you're going through about six weeks of very, very strict boundaries around food to help break food addictions. So really avoiding sugar and yeasts and, you know, a lot of the things that are problematic for people. And I, and I did that and I was very good about it during that time, but I got to the end of it and, uh, you know, started thinking, well, you know, what are some things that I might be able to cheat on at gin? There was nothing that I ate after that, that I thought, oh, I don't really like this anymore. Oh. No, I still love cake and cookies and ice cream <laughs> and all the things. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's funny. I so, get it, that, you know, some things I don't like anymore, but it's like the processed foods. Like I don't want like yeah. a grocery store bakery cake, but a homemade cake, bring it on. Oh, see, I can still eat the grocery store bakery cake. Yeah, I, I can like still it. go to McDonald's and enjoy it. Although I don't, I, I mean, I, no, I can't say I never do, but I honestly, a couple times a year, those aren't things that I indulge in as much, but I think it's because I'm not as tempted to, because having these, this shorter boundary around my food, I want to make sure that I'm eating something good. You're not going to waste your your eating opportunity on it. Now, I do still love McDonald's, right. so I'm going to get that out there. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't want a cheap cake, but I'll eat a Big Mac. So, yeah. <laughs> the, the interesting thing is I haven't had McDonald's in a long time, the same as you. I like to really eat something that's going to just make me so happy when I eat it. And although I would enjoy the Big Mac – I found the last time that I had McDonald's, it didn't satisfy me throughout my window. Like I ate it. I mean, it certainly had a lot of, you know, quote, calories, right? 
you know, yeah. but my body was still yeah. looking for some nutrition. So the whole rest of the oh, evening, yes. I wasn't satisfied, even though I might have had enough yes. food. So I sure enjoyed it. But I was like, I remember paying attention to how I felt after I ate it. And, you know, I didn't feel bad. I just didn't feel satisfied. Yeah. And that is so true. I just feel so much better about what I'm eating if I'm putting something in my body that I, I know is, that I know is good and I know my body needs and I know it's more satisfying to my body. But at the same time, I can't keep junk around the house because it is very hard for me to avoid it. It's, it's like, it, it, I, I'll obsess over it. It calls to me and my husband <laughs> It's like, he doesn't get that at all. (laughs) He's one of those people who can have a little square of chocolate and then wrap up the chocolate bar and put it away until the next day. Like, no, that chocolate bar needs to be That is one serving right there, buddy. The whole bar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I, I do still love all of those kinds of foods. And sometimes I overindulge in those things. And then I don't feel real well afterwards. But I've heard you use the expression that intermittent fasting is very forgiving. Oh, yeah. So when I have those times where I do overindulge, I'll just have a longer fast the next day. And I fast very clean. I do only drink black coffee and water during the fast. And I'll usually come back from that pretty quickly, uh, that type of an overindulgence. I don't want to give the impression that you can do this and eat whatever you want because I wouldn't be able to eat whatever I want. I, if I tried to eat whatever I wanted every day in a four hour window, that would not be good for me. That would not be healthy for me. And I would get sick again. So I, I do have to, in that way, I have to have boundaries as well. I think that that's, that's an important phrase to unpack, the, the eating whatever you want and I do think it is one of the most misinterpreted concepts out there that, you know, you, you'll you see a, a headline or an article that's sensationalistic or a YouTube video or something where they proclaim intermittent fasting, eat whatever you want, you know. Right. And and almost like like you're supposed to just eat the junk, right? <laughs> that's the, the interpretation right. people get. Oh, I can eat whatever I want. But, but that right. stuff gets old, though. I mean, you may still enjoy it. Like I said, yes. I still enjoyed that Big Mac. But why don't I want to eat that again frequently, even though I enjoyed it? Well, because it didn't make me feel satisfied. I know it wasn't the best choice. And it wasn't as delicious as some of the other things I could have had. Yeah. So, I mean, I could. I have the freedom to eat that mm-hmm. whenever I want to. And I still enjoy it. But you know, we know that's not how you, you probably should go day to day. Right. I don't think I'd right. feel great if I tried to live on that, you know. <laughs> I, oh, no. I probably wouldn't want it much longer after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I feel similarly to if we go on vacation and our kids live in Phoenix, Arizona. So when we when we go down to Phoenix – And we're staying with family down there and they're having, you know, breakfast and and lunch and dinner. I want to take part in that more often. And because I don't I don't want to be the one 
just sitting there while they're all eating. So it comes close to the end of the vacation. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm kind of looking forward to getting back to my intermittent fasting routine because without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm about to go on vacation. We're going for a week um, to the beach um, in a couple weeks from now. And of course, by the time this airs, I'll have already been, but you know, we're going to be there for a week in a beach condo and I'm planning to do some cooking at the condo versus, you know, before I would have been so excited to just go out to eat every meal. Okay. Yeah. I, I can hardly, I hardly even enjoy going out to eat as much just because it's hard to, to feel satisfied from the food. So you, you go out to these restaurants and they're just, they don't have like a big old plate of delicious vegetables that <laughs> are going to make me happy. You know, my husband wants to go to the the place that has the fried fish and the French fries and the hush puppies and the whatever. And I just can't imagine eating like that for a week. Yeah. Well, even when my husband and I go on vacation, just the two of us, we're big fans of Airbnb. We often will not eat until later in the day. We because right. we are going out and we don't we don't want to blow all of our money just eating all day. And I don't like that sluggish feeling that comes with eating a lot all the time. But when you're when you're on vacation and you're out visiting other family, the, the scene's obviously a little bit different. You're it at is. their house and you're making meals together and and that that is that is a different scenario than just going somewhere, you know, you and your and your spouse. So yeah, when you're with a lot of people, they're, they're definitely yes. it's a different feel to it, and it's okay to do that while yes. you're there to eat with them and enjoy yes. the time. And it's not like you have to feel like you're, you know, cheating or anything. Right, right. We only we only get to see them a couple times a year, and and we want to enjoy all of our time together. So right. Yeah. And it would also be okay if one day you did just want to have coffee while they were eating. It's it's just there's really no wrong way to do it. It's up to you. Yes, that it, that is true. And I, and I have done that as well. Yeah, especially if somebody has to go to work in the morning cuz they they're not always able to take off for the entire time that we're down there. Our youngest anyway, our youngest, she and her husband both work for a university down there and our our oldest is a stay-at-home mom. So we're kind of bouncing back and forth between one and the other while we're there. They're both in the same place. That's really yeah. nice. Yeah, it was really pretty crazy. They're, they're husbands independently and actually a couple years apart from one another, both ended up with jobs down there. And that's <laughs> fabulous, though. I know that's great. Do you yeah. have any grandkids? We do. We have four. Yeah. Okay. So you get to go down there and see all of them. See, that's amazing. Yes. Yes. We told them if they can't be close to mom and dad, at least they're close to each other. Exactly. I I look to that time because my oldest is graduating from college and moving to San Francisco. Side note, he's going to be working for Airbnb, which... Oh my goodness! Yeah, that was his dream job. He turned down. Oh my down gosh! Wow. <laughs> he he interned with Airbnb, and he loves the culture of their office. He worked there one summer. Loves it. Loves it. Loves it. Can't speak highly enough about about Airbnb. But um, you know, he's going to be in San Francisco. He'll always probably be somewhere out there. And then my other yeah. son is still here on the East Coast. Where will he settle? I don't know. But right. my son's girlfriend's family lives in Chicago. So I'm like, this is going to be difficult logistically. (laughs) So for you to have all of yours right there in Phoenix, that's great. Are you ever going to move down there too, you think? 
We don't really see that right now. We're we're kind of thinking that once we retire, maybe snowboarding down there. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. We're so involved in our church and the community here in Harrisburg that we really do see this as home. But if both kids stay out there, because of course we don't know where they're going to be at that time either. They they may end up, you know, one or both families moving somewhere else. Right now they're 10 minutes apart from each other. And our oldest, who's the stay-at-home mom, she's got three boys and she babysits our youngest daughter's daughter during the day. I love that. That's great. Yeah, it, it is. It is just such a beautiful arrangement. And I'm so thankful that they are able to do this. But we don't know that that's going to be where they are for the rest of their lives. But if they are, then yes, we can definitely see ourselves going down there when the weather is cold after we've retired and staying a few months down there. I'm about 12 years from retirement and my husband's self-employed. So honestly, if he he's a painter. So if he decides that he wants to continue painting, you know, that's something, honestly, painting the outside of somebody's house in Phoenix during the winter months is ideal. So that's something right. that he would be able to continue to do if he wanted to do that after we retired. So that's what we're beginning to toss around, you know, again, we're still looking 12 or 15 years out or so, but. Yeah, you've got, you've got so much time. It's options. Yes. It's funny, even that I'm thinking about retirement at this point, (laughs) even to start thinking and talking about, I'm like, oh my gosh, time really does go quickly. (laughs) It does. It does. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this, all of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. So when you're on a on a vacation like that and eating more with your family, do you find that your symptoms sometimes flare up a little bit more from the Crohn's disease or is it still managed pretty well? They oftentimes when it gets to be close to the end of the vacation and I'm beginning to experience some distress with my gut, which is one of the reasons why I look forward to just coming back and, and getting on to my routine. 
So uh, because we haven't, they've only been out there for a few years. So it's almost like an experimentation every time I go out. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I have, we haven't been doing it long enough for me to know exactly how to do this when I go out so that I am able to loosen up the reins a little bit without loosening them up too much. So I'm curious, what does your gastroenterologist say about intermittent fasting? Actually, I've not been back to my gastroenterologist since I started doing this. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You haven't needed to go. Right. She'd probably beat me, honestly, if she... If if she could get a hold of me, no, just because I haven't been back. (laughs) I thought you were talking about the fasting. I'm like, no, no, No. her, her approach when, when I had my two clean colonoscopies, she didn't seem particularly interested in what I was doing that was working. She just pretty much was saying whatever you're doing is working for you. So keep doing it. She knew that I was being careful about what I was eating but she didn't seem she didn't need the details, right? I don't know if she if she just thought to herself, this is just the rare exception and the way that she's eating has nothing to do with it or what. She did say to me one time. She said that she has only seen once in her life where closely monitoring what you eat has worked for an adult. Wow. That it works for children because the parents, oh gosh, and to think of children having Crohn's disease, but they they do. She said it works for children because the parents, young children, because the parents are monitoring what the children are eating. But she said she has only seen it work once for an adult. And she said, you have to be very, very strict. So I don't think that she really believes that it's something that's practical because she didn't even bring it up until I really pressed her hard about the link between what you're eating and um, your gut health. And I remember saying to my husband afterwards, I was so irritated. I said, why? Why? If she has seen it work, even if she's only ever seen it work once, why is she not telling her patients this, even to give them an option? Right, exactly. I think you should go back. I'm going to give you homework. You know, I'm a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> My homework is go back to her and, and really tell her how the intermittent fasting piece is alongside the food, but that the, the intermittent fasting has allowed you to be even more flexible because this, she may have heard some things about intermittent fasting. Maybe it's already in her mind. You might be just what she needs to get her over the edge to actually start recommending it to patients. Well, I guess that's possible because it has been a few years since I've gone to see her. My husband and I found a chiropractor who has a very holistic approach and he has introduced some supplements that have been helpful to me in addition to the chiropractic, which is very good for your nerve health, which is very good for your gut health. That's kind of the approach that we have taken now as far as our medical health. So that's the reason that I haven't gone back to the gastroenterologist. There really hasn't well, been that, that need. Right. I haven't needed to. Right, exactly. Um, and obviously our, our chiropractors 
values with regard to health just align so much more closely with um, my husband and I and, and our approach. But it is possible that in those few years that she has heard about it because certainly it is something that it's only been within the last few years that it seems right. to be coming to people's attention. Exactly. And, you know, I hear a lot of people, you know, we have membership questions for the Facebook support groups. And so people will explain why they are interested in intermittent fasting. And over the past year, especially the number of people saying that their doctors, you know, various specialties, it might be their gastroenterologist or perhaps their cardiologist. I've seen all sorts of different specialties listed, endocrinologists recommending intermittent fasting for their patients. And so I always perk up. It really is wonderful. I perk up when I see those membership answers, you know, people like, you know, I'm here because my such and such doctor recommended intermittent fasting to help me with my condition. And so there are a lot of doctors out there really embracing intermittent fasting as a healing modality. You know, of course we, we know, you know, you didn't start it for the weight loss, most of the listeners probably did, but there's so much more to it than yes. the weight loss. And yes. that's what I really want to get out there. You know, we I wrote a blog post recently. We come for the weight loss and stick around for the health benefits. <laughs> yes, I because, love that line that I've heard you use a couple of times. What is it? The health plan with the side the effect of weight with, loss? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And and really people start it for the weight loss, but most people, not everyone, my husband didn't start it for weight loss. You didn't start it for weight loss, but most people do. And then they realize, oh my gosh, it cleared up, you know, my psoriasis, not me, but yeah. that, or oh my yeah. gosh, it's cleared up such and such that I've been plagued with for, you know, decades and people are just astounded. And yes. then they're like, well, gosh, I'll never quit. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. just to get me to a goal weight. Because you'll never quit just because of how no. you feel. No, I, I won't. I'll In never fact, quit. Yeah. And, and I've had people say to me, are you still doing that? Well, yeah. So I'm, I, didn't, I didn't start doing it just because I needed to shed a couple of pounds. Right. I've really discovered how good this is for my body. And I put it to the test and found, lo and behold, it's true. It's true. And I, I, I think everyone should do it for the health benefits and helping with the weight maintenance. But I think that it's something that almost all adults, I mean, barring a few medical complications or if you're pregnant or if you're already underweight or if, you know, yada, yada. Right. But I think that the majority of adult people in the world could benefit from implementing some rest from food during the day. We don't need to eat for 12 hours of our day or right. whatever. Yes, that is so true. And now on the days when I do eat more, and it's so funny because during this Lent season where our church is fasting two days a week, and I do, I really do need to eat more, particularly days where I'm off from work and I have the opportunity to eat more. I do need to consume more calories during those days than what I could get into my typical four or five hour window. But I find then I get that slump around two or three right. in the afternoon and I'm tired. I'm like, oh my word, I'm so glad yeah, that I'm why? not going through this <laughs> at work anymore. <laughs> it's true. And that's it the part. It's so hard for people to understand that slump is gone. And yes. so- you don't want to ever feel that again. But I no. remember every single day. I mean, I had a 10 a.m. slump and then the two o'clock slump. I I always had a slump. Yeah. <laughs> that was my excuse to have another latte. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. And I oh did. My. And, and on I was the, always having them. On the rare occasions where I'll have something at work that, you know, something really sugary or whether somebody brings in donuts or whatever, once in a while I'll give in and have something. And then it, it does, it comes to around two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh my word, now I know why I don't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, it really helps you to not, you know, look longingly at that box of donuts the next yes. time somebody has it. Cause you're like, oh yeah, I know that would taste good for a minute, but I would certainly feel bad later. And so then you're not sorry to pass it up. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if I decide that I want to have one, maybe I'll just take one home and have it later. Delay, don't delay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I hear those words of yours in my head so often. Delay, don't deny. And it, and it well, really I'm, is a great, a great motto. I think that was divinely inspired because I think it really, I mean, I didn't know what, when I was writing my book, I didn't have that title in my head till towards wow. the end and it just popped in there. That's you know? great. Yes. I used to hashtag sometimes delay, not deny. I would just hashtag it when I was talking about, you know, delaying something, you know, not uh -huh. eating the donut now, having it later. I would hashtag delay, not deny right. for a while, for months, maybe a year. But this is before I wrote the book. And then when I was trying to think of a title, I thought about that hashtag and there it came. So, yeah, yeah, I think that phrase helps me a lot too. I think it, I think it helps a lot of people to, to understand, oh, I'm not denying myself. I'm just delaying it. Yes. Yeah. Similar to earlier in the podcast when I mentioned the one man from church describing fasting as a way of telling yourself no. Right. To delay, don't deny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or deny it for now, but not forever. Right. And even the whole idea that that's hard for people sometimes, if they are trying to lose weight, they may need to delay certain things, not just to your eating window, but for a time. You know, I delayed alcohol, for example. I didn't, there was a period of time when I was still losing weight that I realized that having a nightly glass of wine was not helping me reach my goals. And because then I would overeat, you know, wine makes you a little more munchy. At least it does me. Oh, yeah. Your so defenses I delayed, come down. Yeah, I delayed wine for a couple months. And then I lost all the weight I wanted to lose. And then I was able to just add it back in during my eating window. Yeah. But, you know, I took more of a long-term approach to that delay and it was okay. Yes. I didn't feel like I could never have wine again. Right. Wine is not, no, I just, I'm just going to delay it a little longer this time. Yes, right. So we are almost out of time. I like to end with, you know, what is your best advice for someone who's just starting intermittent fasting, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's health benefits or for weight loss, what advice would you give them? Or is there anything you wish you had known at the beginning? I would say to people that it's not always easy. It's good, but it's not always easy but that almost anything worthwhile in life takes work. It takes work, it takes commitment, whether you're talking about a strong marriage or raising children or performing in excellence at your job or whatever your goals may be, it takes work and it takes time, but it is so worth the effort of both. Oh, I love that. I mean, that you're right. That is a universal lesson we can apply to really all aspects of our life, not just intermittent fasting. Yeah. 
So it's not always easy. And, you know, we tend to make it sound that way. Like, you know, every minute you're just breezing along and then you have your window and unicorns and (laughs) rainbows. And And for some people, I heard a podcast that you did with a woman just a couple weeks ago. I think she may have been from Canada who said that for her, it is very easy. Right. To me, it's easy and hard. You know, it's easier than the way I lived before. Yes. But it's it's there's still a moment when I'll I'll be like, you know, I could eat. I enjoy eating. Yeah. So yeah, it's easy and hard mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a great point to point out. There will still be moments of struggle. Yeah. Even as you choose to do this, and even though it might be less struggle than you had before, that doesn't mean there's zero. Right. Exactly. And some days it really is a battle. And sometimes it really is a a mental battle, particularly if there are other things that I'm going through that are stressful, whether, you know, if I'm, or if I'm tired, um, boy, stress and fatigue, they can, they can wreak havoc on your appetite signals. (laughs) That's true. And I think most of the battle is mental or emotional versus physical. You know, people who have never done fasting or intermittent fasting at all, think that we're going to have so many physical problems, like we're going to be, you know, headachy and can't move through the day. And really the physical part is the easiest part. Yes. It's the emotional and mental part that's hard. It's the opposite of what people think when they're starting out. They think that it's going to be physically hard and the physical part surprises them. Yeah. I mean, even when I started intermittent fasting, I didn't struggle with headaches and fatigue. Now, I I was somebody who would do fasting occasionally, even prior to that. And it was it was more for spiritual reasons, even though I had I grew in understanding after I began intermittent fasting and became part of the church that we're part of right now. Prior to that, I would fast occasionally for a day here and there anyway. So my body was a little bit accustomed to fasting. So when I began intermittent fasting, I didn't have the physical problems that some people do experience. Well, that's really, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, Some people really, really do have that at first. So when people do start and have those problems, that it is typical and normal. Well, Melody, we are are completely out of time. So I'm just going to say thank you so much for having me. And we could probably talk for another hour. (laughs) But thank thank you so much for coming. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.